It is so good to uh, be together here this morning, and, and also for those who are joining us online, excited to have you here. Um, if you are uh, new with us, uh, whether joining online or here in person, uh, we have been looking at this ancient book that was written thousands of years ago uh, by this guy named Luke, who was a close follower of Jesus. And he wasn't just a witness to what happened, he actually was a participant in what happened, and he writes all of this down, and, and we, in this, we begin to discover uh, where we came from, where the church came from, and this is found in the book of Acts. It's one of the books in the New Testament, and if you are new with us, or this is your first time maybe in person, we actually have these journals that are available, and we would invite you just to take one, use this as a, as a gift. Um, you could take notes in it, or just follow along with the message, and, and I thought it was really important to kind of like look at why we're doing this. Like, why are we going back and looking at something that happened thousands of years ago? And, and si the answer is really simple, is because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy uh, for us to kind of lose our way. Um, it, it's easy to lose our way. And I think um, whether that's as, 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 a, as a group of people or as individuals, sometimes we just get we get distracted, we get disoriented, and we can easily kind of lose our direction. And, and I think the, one of the easiest ways or one of the best ways to kind of get that back is to kind of look and see where we came from. Uh, where, why, why did God, like, put this thing we call church together? You know, why did he bring a group of strangers and people from different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff? Why did he bring us together? And what is our purpose? What is our purpose as a, as a group and what is our purpose as an individual? And we've been in this series uh, we call Birth of a Church. And what we have seen so far is um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he gathers this group of, of his closest followers, these ordinary people together, and, and basically says, you're going to tell everything that I have said and done to the entire world. Like, you're going to talk about the fact that I... I was the chosen Messiah, like I was the one that you were waiting for, and my sacrifice on the cross paid all of everyone's sin, and my resurrection means that I conquered death, and, and they're going to spread this across the world, and we know that they did this because that's why we're here this morning. I mean, think about that. If they hadn't been faithful to that, we wouldn't be here. This morning, we wouldn't even know the name Jesus if they hadn't been faithful to this calling that they had been given. And it's actually the same calling that we still have today. I mean, that, that call, that mission continues even in us today. And we looked at this incredible day where that God, you know, Jesus said, you're not going to do this on your own. I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send somebody that's going to come in you, and that we know that that is the person of the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the, one of the persons of, of, of the Godhead. And we know that the Spirit comes on these followers as they're waiting in Jerusalem. And this man named Peter, who was one of Jesus' followers, stands up in front of this huge crowd, and he shares this good news of what Jesus has done. And 3,000 people say yes. And we've spent, the, we've spent the previous four weeks just looking at what the response to this was. Like, how did the Spirit begin to shape this community of believers? 
And, and we saw that, that really they began to live life in relationship with God and one another, and this was characterized by their selfless love and care for one another. And, and then what we're going to see today is the author of this book, Luke, he begins to focus in on a day, an ordinary day in the life of these Jesus followers. And as we look at the story this morning, I really want to see this from two different perspectives. I want to see it from the perspective of Peter and John, and I want to see it from, the, I want us to look at it from the perspective of the man who is healed. Spoiler alert. So, in these Acts journals, if you want to, turn to page 18. I know we've been on page 18 for a while. Um, we will actually move on from page 18 today. <laughs> um, but at page 18, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. So if you'll just follow along with me. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And I want to stop right there because what we see here in this passage are two different groups of people doing what they normally did. It was their routine. It was, it was ordinary. It was just another ordinary day. And, and for Peter and John, I mean, we, we saw earlier in the, in, the, in the verses that we have been spending all this time on, is we know that each day, this early group of Jesus followers, every day would spend time in the temple, and, and that would include Peter and John. And so this was part of their routine. They would go to the temple every day. It was routine. This was their ordinary. And for this man and this, these guys, these who were helping him get to the gate, this was his ordinary. Like, he would, they would carry him every day to the temple. And later, as you read on in the book of Acts, we find out that this man was over 40 years old. So for decades, every day, this man would go to the temple and sit at the gate and ask for money. And try to survive on what he's given. And my, my guess is this was probably the time he would come, the ninth hour. It was three o'clock in the afternoon, and this is probably like rush hour at the temple. I mean, this is the peak time where everybody's coming in to, do, to say their prayers, and he could catch as many people as possible. This was probably the time that he came every day in order to ask for money. This was his ordinary and in this man's mind, his greatest hope is to get enough to just simply survive another day. Enough food or enough money just so he can eat and survive. And he did this day after day after day. Wash, rinse, repeat. And they encounter one another as they are heading to the same place they routinely went every day. What's routine for you? What, what do you do 
each day? Where, where do you go each week? I mean, what, what is ordinary? What does ordinary look like for you? I, I know for me, Fridays are, are typically my day off. Um, and for me, Fridays are grocery shopping day. And you probably heard me talk about it before. I'm in love with Market Basket. So if you ever want to like, encounter me on a Friday, come to Market Basket. I'm probably like wandering the aisles. I love Market Basket. But that's my ordinary. That's my routine. Fridays at Market Basket. And, and let's be honest. A vast majority of our life is lived in the ordinary. And ordinary doesn't necessarily mean that everything is right and everything is good. I mean, for some, and maybe you this morning, maybe ordinary for you is difficult or painful or limited. Maybe that is your ordinary, and that's certainly this man's ordinary. Hear this, God meets us in our ordinary. God meets us in our ordinary. I know sometimes we seek out these mountaintop experiences or these, you know, these extraordinary things for, for God to show up in, but the truth of the matter is God meets us in the ordinary because that's where we spend most of our time. Uh, there's one of my favorite Old Testament stories that's found in 1 Kings chapter 18, and there's this prophet by the name of Elijah, and he has this incredible literal mountaintop experience. And I'm not going to go into details of what that was, but just just read it sometime. It's pretty extraordinary what God does through Elijah. And right after that mountaintop experience, Elijah has the lowest moment of his life because his life is at risk and he enters into this depression that's so deep he wants to die. And so God sends Elijah back to another mountaintop and he tells him that he's going to show up to Elijah. And and as Elijah is on this mountaintop and he's kind of in this cave, he hears this this huge wind that it says it just like shakes the rocks. And then right after the wind, there was this earthquake. And right after the earthquake, there was this fire. And it says in all three of those, God was not in any of those things. But then Elijah hears a gentle whisper. God's in the whisper. And why do I share that? Like what what is the meaning of that? I think what what God is trying to explain to Elijah when he's trying to explain to us is that God is just present in the ordinary. Like He's not in the, always in the spectacular. And hear me, God is in the spectacular. But God is in the ordinary. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 3, and it goes on. It says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... He asked to receive alms. And so get the picture here. I, for years, I, I always had gotten this wrong. Like, I had just assumed that, like, Peter and John were kind of on their way. There's actually a song that goes with this. And I'm going to date myself, and, I, and I'm not going to even sing it. I'll spare you that. But, but the, the image of that is, like, as I've always pictured, like, Peter and John walking the temple, and the man's already sitting there at the gate asking for money. And that's not, ex- that's not what's happening here. I mean, they're, they're both walking into the temple together. This man's being carried, and they're walking right with him, with this troop. I mean, they're coming in to the temple together. And maybe, maybe, their, crossed past, or maybe their, their paths had crossed before. I mean, was this part of their routine? I mean, like I said, every day this man's there. Day by day, John and, and Peter are going to the temple. And did they know each other? Did they recognize each other? 
Maybe, maybe even because this man had been doing this for decades, maybe they had seen, this man had seen Peter and John with Jesus. I mean, Jesus spent time in the temple. We know that his followers were with him. Maybe he'd seen them in the temple, and he knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus, and he'd heard stories about Jesus. I mean, how many, how many times had Peter and John walked past this man before this? Had they spoken to him? And how many others were along the way? I mean, don't think that it's just like Peter and John and this man are walking in. I mean, there are throngs of people that are walking in. There are bunches of beggars that are sitting alongside the road. I mean, it is noisy. It is crowded. And maybe this man had cried out to them before. I'm sure he had a unique way of asking. Something that would make people recognize him. And the closest thing I can think of like to, to relate it to today is, you know, oftentimes we see people on the side of the roads at intersections with signs, and, and they're just trying to get your attention, like something unique that will draw you in. Or if you go downtown, oftentimes you'll encounter people who are crying out, asking for, for money, and maybe just something to draw your attention. I wonder, what, what did this man say to draw attention to himself and to his need? And my question is this. Who do we encounter in our ordinary, and how are they crying out to us? Uh, who do we encounter in our ordinary, and how are they crying out to us? I'm not, I'm not talking about the people on the side of the road or, 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 or people on the street. I'm just talking about people we encounter in our everyday lives. Like, how are they crying out to us? What is their way of trying to get your attention, your coworkers or your neighbors or your friends or your family or even your kids? What are they asking for? Is it your time? Is it your attention? Is it your affection? Is it your patience? And many people, many people are longing to be noticed. You know, we live, we live in a time where we are more connected than ever to everything that happens in the world. And we know instantly anything that happens in the world. Like, we are more connected right now than we ever have been in history. And yet, we are so disconnected from one another. We are isolated. We are lonely. And perhaps we're too caught up in all that is happening that we don't see those who God has put right in front of us. People are calling out to us in our ordinary. Or, or perhaps you're the one that's calling to out in your ordinary, longing to be heard. This passage goes on, Acts chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says this, and Peter, and Peter, I love this, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to read seed something from them. When my family and I lived in St. Louis, God really opened up an opportunity and opened up my heart to something that I never would have thought that I would have encountered. He opened up an opportunity for us to serve the homeless in this, on the streets of St. Louis. And we spent seven years, every Thursday night, we would take a group of people out and serve um, the men and women who were on the streets of St. Louis. It was probably the most one of the most impactful experiences I've ever had in my life, the, one of the, the greatest opportunities. But after a few months of doing this, what I realized was the greatest need of the men and women that we encountered wasn't the food. 
wasn't the clothes that we would take out. It was that they would be seen. That somebody would see them. Everybody wants to be seen. Even people, when they would give alms to this man, would most likely just drop something and walk on by, not even make eye contact with him. And my guess is over time, this man had gotten used to this. And while he would call out to certain people at certain times, he certainly would not make eye contact with them because he had come to expect the same response. Either he would be ignored, he would be turned away from, or even if somebody were to give something to him, they would probably avoid making eye contact with him. So he probably did the same. But Peter and John are different. I mean, get a picture of what's happening here. I mean, they're walking in the temple together. And I, I just picture that Peter and John, like, get down on this guy's level. Because he's being carried into the temple probably on some kind of a, I don't know what you call it, something. And they probably, he probably gets down on their, his level and just make eye contact with him. They, they see him. I mean, why today? Why, why this man? And like we said at the opening when we introduced the book of Acts, the, 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 main, the main player, the main focus of what's happening in the book of Acts is, is the Holy Spirit. And, and while he's not specifically mentioned in this passage, I believe that that's the, the Spirit that we see acting in this passage. And this is what I think that we see here. I think that what we see is that the Holy Spirit has moved Peter and John, to see this man. Have you ever been somewhere and you just kind of feel this, like, nudge? Like this thing out of the blue, like it wouldn't necessarily even come to your head, but there's just like this prompting or this nudge to say something or to do something. You're like, where did that come from? My question is this, what would it look like for us before we went about our ordinary to ask God to use us in some way in the life of someone. And maybe this is just as simple as asking, God, who is it you want me to see today? In the midst of your ordinary, who is it that God wants you to see? And consider this man. I mean, he is simply hoping to receive what he's asked. He just wants money to survive another day. I mean, that's what he's hoping for, that something will help him just get by to the next day. And as, I was as I've been reflecting on this story and putting myself in the place of this man, I ask myself the question, how many times have I come to God and expect him to do what I want done? And sometimes this is asking for something good to happen or or for something, some kind of challenge to be taken away. And please don't hear me, hear me when I say this. I, I believe that God does want us to ask. I, I believe that. But, but what I'm saying is I'm wondering if that's all we do, we miss something that God wants to do. And he wants to do something so much more. I think really God just wants us to see him because he's God. 
and trusting in him to provide and care for us even in the midst of our suffering. I have this new like understanding of suffering. I really think that suffering, what suffering does in us is it draws us closer to God. I think that's the purpose of it. I think there's scriptures that talk about how suffering refines us and draws us closer to him. And I know for me that I found that I'm closest to God when I'm in the midst of suffering. And and if this is you in your suffering, please know that God sees you in your ordinary. Acts 3, verses 6 through 9. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And I wonder if initially what this man heard, because I don't know about you, but I get fixated sometimes on the first things that people say. I wonder if the very first thing that he heard is, I have no silver or gold. Like, that's what he heard. And I I wonder even for a moment if he wasn't like another failure, another disappointment, another person that's not going to meet my needs. I wonder if even just for a moment, I wonder how many times I've come expecting to hear something from God and and, and the first thing I may hear may be, nope. And I get fixated on that. And, and my first response sometimes is anger or disappointment or frustration. <laughs> but God has so much more for him. I mean, can you imagine this moment? I mean, really, can you just like imagine this moment? And, and just first of all, from Peter and John's perspective, I mean, Think about the risk that they're taking. Like Peter and John, they're prompted by the, I'm sure they're prompted by the Holy Spirit. Like, not only do I want you to see this this man, I want to heal this man, but it takes trust. I mean, can you imagine how wrong this would have gone if they just grabbed this guy by the hand and they pull him off his, whatever he's laying on there, and, and he crumples to the ground? Oops, sorry. But this man is healed instantly. I mean, because they were obedient. And so my question is, what is the Spirit prompting you to do in your ordinary? And and it's easy to read stuff like that and just like, this doesn't apply to me. Like, I can't heal people. Neither can I. But maybe this isn't about physically healing somebody. Maybe Maybe it's a prompting to invite somebody into your home to share a meal. Maybe it's a prompting to give out one of those bags that we have sitting out in the lobby to be able to start a conversation with somebody who's just longing to be seen. Maybe it's listening to what is happening in a checkout line, just being present in the checkout line, listening to a conversation that's taking place in front of you, and, and you find out that the person in front of you doesn't have enough, enough to be able to pay for what they're trying to pay for. And there's an opportunity for you to be able to do something. Maybe it's visiting a neighbor that you just happen to notice that nobody ever seems to come. Nobody ever seems to show up at their house. Maybe it's eating with the unpopular kid, or maybe it's 
eating with that, that, that coworker that just annoys you. Maybe it's taking extra time with someone to listen to them. I mean, really listen to them and ask them, how are you really doing? And it's all about taking the step that causes you to completely trust that God is going to be there to do what he's asking you to do. And that's what this is. And so the question is, do you trust that God will use you in your ordinary? That it's his power in you that makes extraordinary things happen in the ordinary moments of our lives. And then I want to see this from this man's perspective. I mean, it took faith and trust as well. His response, like it says there, he, he leaped up. I mean, Peter grabbed him by the hand, but he's the one who jumps up. It's not a slow rise. I mean, think about this. This guy had never walked in his life. I mean, he didn't even know what walking was other than just to see it. He never experienced it before. And he just goes into full leap mode. So my question is this. What is our response when God does something in our lives or calls us to something? Do, do we immediately jump in with all that we are? Even if we've never done anything like that before? And then notice the first place he goes, he goes with them into the temple. I mean, the temple in that, at that time represented God's presence. I mean, he goes in to worship God. And so when, when God does something in your life, what's your response? Do you, like, give him glory? And, and you talk about a celebration. I mean, for a, 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 a Jewish man to walk and leap, I mean, that's super undignified. I mean, he just becomes undignified. He doesn't really care what others think about him. I love it. I love, kids are so amazing because a lot of kids just don't have that filter that we have as adults that they just, they, they celebrate life in ways that we just don't understand. And I wish we could become more like kids. And we, we could just celebrate the way kids celebrate just the little things in life. And if your ordinary is pain and hurt, or loss, or just not where you thought you would be, And when God responds or he meets you in it, do you celebrate it? In your ordinary. Acts 3, 1 through 9. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. See, they knew who this guy was. Something about him stood out. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. You see, all of the people see him. All of the people see him. Someone who had most had probably ignored or they just, he had just become part of the backdrop. And now they see him. But not just him. They see what God has done to him. And when God works when God works through us or when God works in us, it's to bring Him glory. <laughs> Get that. When God works in us or God works through it, it's, the purpose of that is to bring Him glory. And this is, this is not a story about Peter and John. <laughs> they are just simply vessels that God uses Peter and John were just simply willing. They were just willing. And my question is this, are you willing to let God use you in your ordinary, everyday life? 
It's not about how special or how extraordinary you are. It's always about how extraordinary God is. And from the perspective of this man, when God does something to you or for you, understand this. It's so that God can be glorified. And and knowing that, are you sharing with others what God has done and is doing in your life in order to give him the glory? This healing also brings glory to God because when we look at the when we look at this next Sunday, we're going to see that because of this this huge crowd again gathers, a crowd probably larger than even gathered at Pentecost. And the gospel will be shared again, and thousands of people will respond, and all because Peter and John were willing to be used by God in the midst of their ordinary. Are you willing to let God use you in your ordinary? Let me speculate a little bit here. This is not in the text. But my guess would be, and I don't think this is a stretch, my guess would be that when Peter shares this message that we'll see next week, my guess is the first person that responded was this man. And if so, this man received so much more than just a physical healing. His sins were forgiven. And he becomes a son of the Father, and he has this hope of life forever with God. Because that's what Jesus does out of the ordinary. And that's what he offers to every one of us as well. And and if you've not had a chance to respond to what Jesus has done for us, man, I would love to talk to you. Or someone, ask somebody, we'd love to talk to you about what life with Jesus means and what Jesus has what Jesus is able to offer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who works in our ordinary. That you meet us in the ordinary, whatever that is, Father. Father, I pray that you would just open our eyes so that we can see as you see, that you would open our hearts and our ears to be able to hear what you're calling us to do and to be. In your name I pray. Amen.